Hail and well met, everybody. Welcome to Geek Thyself, a show by nerds, for nerds, who love geeking out over random facts and esoteric trivia. My name is Heather. I'm Russell. And we'll be your hosts for this journey through the wondrous land of information. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Geek Thyself. It's the first episode of December. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe it's almost the end of the year and Christmas is almost here. Hey, no, it's also also almost the end of the decade. Oh, God, that's right. Yeah. Yep, it's almost 2020. Yeah, Uh, so I've heard this. So when do I get my vision back? (laughs) I, I don't like the glasses anymore. Do I get 2020 vision? Is that a rumor going around? In one Maybe of internet jokes. <laughs> I mean, I th- I think Y two K was an internet internet joke as well. So let's maybe maybe they're not all real. Well, I mean, to be fair with Y two K, some programmers legitimately were concerned because of the way they had done all the programming to only go to like nineteen ninety nine. But I don't I don't understand how you don't think about that way in advance. It's like, oh wait, we didn't do this right. Well, yeah, I mean, you have to keep in mind that with the first computers, like the very, very first computers, like the gigantic fill-a-room computers, I mean, those things were made back in, like, the 50s. And so they would have had to have looked 50 years ahead. Yeah, you'd think, right? Well, I mean, those first ones, and then, you know, the programming developed from there. So at some point, people just didn't adjust for it, and then suddenly the year 2000 is approaching, and everyone's like, oh, no, what do we do? It's just, like, yeah, like, uh, internet was not very fast or reliable, but it was still available, like, in the 90s. How did did you not think that these were sticking around? (laughs) I don't know. But uh, I mean, internet hadn't been around for that long by that point. Because I remember no. being like, I remember being like 10 or 11, I think, maybe. So this was like 1995 and having AOL dial up internet. And the only reason we had internet is because my dad needed it for his job as a professor. So he, because he had to keep up with technology for the school, we constantly were one of I don't know that we were one of the first families in our area, but I know amongst my friends, we often... You were the fun first. Yeah, we, yeah, were, yeah. we were at least up to speed with other people who were making the technological advancements and buying stuff for the house because my dad needed to keep up with things for work. Mm-hmm. I get you. Uh, we also had AOL dial-up mm-hmm. uh, in the very early 2000s. Boy, it was slow. Yes. <laughs> Like, how did we all become so snobbish with streaming and everything? Oh my god, it stopped loading for three seconds. This is the worst. <laughs> I know, it's amazing how much faster it is now. But I, yeah, I remember being like 13 and going into chat rooms and talking to people and doing the whole like ASL age sex location and being like, oh, I'm a 13 year old female in California, but I never put what city, just California was vague. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I wasn't really on the internet enough at that point, and I was probably too antisocial uh, with people to even think about trying to go into chat rooms and forums and stuff. It's just, nope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll just watch my YouTube videos, and that never really changed. <laughs> Fair. All right. Oh, boy. Okay. Wow, that was the first tangent. But, hey, it's the end of the decade. Yeah, that was a three-minute tangent. We could probably yeah. plug that 
same topic into uh, uh, Disney Plus and streaming. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> we can probably do that again. Anyway, so uh, with it being the last month of the year, and uh, we know not everybody celebrates Christmas, but a mm-hmm. fair, fair majority of people. A I large think is, percentage of the world. Yes, yeah, that's a better way of saying that. Do Or so at least some going. version of it. Some version of it or some similar religious holiday that mm-hmm. is it the time. So we're going to talk a little bit about it. Yep, today we're going to talk about some of the history of Christmas traditions. Now, for anyone who's listening, we are specifically dealing with Christmas because it's the one that Russ and I are familiar with. Yes, uh, mm-hmm. uh, we have been brought up around Christmas. Like, you, it it was always something that was around in my house, especially because my dad being Catholic. Uh, so it's something that I'm fairly familiar with in that kind of sense. Uh, I'm not... Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't call myself a devout Christian, <laughs> just uh, <laughs> uh, as a, as a rule. Uh, but like you said, it's pretty much impossible to avoid it anywhere. So yeah, well, although I, it is now a commercialized mess, that is true. Well, and I'm in the same boat. Uh, my dad is atheist. My mother is Buddhist. But my family has always celebrated Christmas. We just don't celebrate any of the religious aspect of it. Like I. I know there are people out there who do, and for those of you who, for whom it's a religious holiday, those aren't really the things we're talking about today. No. Um, it's uh, more on, like, just... the party celebration traditions and, like, where do Christmas trees yeah. come from? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, uh, just because we don't really know too much about it in that sort of symbolic, and we'd probably just mm-hmm. get it wrong, uh, or at least not entirely correct. So, yeah. Um, along those lines, we we found a book, which I read through. Um, I read faster. Yeah. And yeah. Mm-hmm. it's called A Christmas Cornucopia by Mark Forsyth. And he doesn't talk about every single Yuletide, Yuletide tradition, but he talks about quite a few of them. There's some things that are more region-specific that he didn't really get into. Like, he doesn't talk about the Christmas crackers at... Um, in English, uh, I think that's, is it crackers or am I thinking of the wrong word? Uh, when you, you, the, like the little, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. Crackers. Yeah. 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 I don't know how to describe them uh, <laughs> with the words. Uh, I'm like picturing them. They you, almost look like a tube of cookies that has like a pull tab on each end and yeah, you like yeah. pop them, two people yeah. pop them open and like confetti and stuff pops out for my American listeners who don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, Although ours aren't quite as fancy as that, there's basically just a little uh, spark, like uh, which as it's as you pull both ends makes a mm-hmm. small popping noise, and then there's normally a cheap paper hat of various colours in there, mm-hmm. a terrible cracker joke, and then <laughs> a random small toy, which is gone before the end of Christmas dinner, and you'll never see it again. <laughs> yeah. And I, I've heard, I mean, there's varying kinds. I'm sure they have fancier ones, but that's pretty oh, much yeah. the basic one. Um, so yeah, things yeah. like that that are very much a British holiday tradition aren't really something that was covered in the book. And it's not our focus to, mm-hmm. today. We're going to be talking about, like, the overall, the big traditions that everybody knows yeah. about. 
I didn't know that crackers weren't a thing in the U.S. Oh, they, no, they're not. We do yeah. have, um, like, we have the party poppers, it, oh, yeah, which yeah. it's basically just confetti that shoots out. People yeah, use yeah, yeah, those yeah. at holidays, and there's noisemakers and stuff, especially at, like, New Year's. Mm-hmm. There's the little, there's the party poppers and the noisemakers and the little horns and stuff, and people wear crowns yeah. and things at New Year's, but it's not really a... Christmas tradition over here? Yeah, yeah, I get you. Okay. But yeah, no, pretty much every year we've had a box of like an amount of crackers and you basically just pull one with everyone around the table. Mm -hmm. Uh, You probably saw it in Doctor Who, honestly. Uh, I mean, I've... (laughs) I know about them because my dad is from England. Yeah. So, you know, we went over to my grandmother's house when a couple of Christmases <laughs> and she had some crackers that friends had sent yeah. her that we popped open. Yeah. And yes, the toys great. were cheap. I mean, you know, when you're like six, you don't know the difference. But as you get older, you're oh, like, yeah, oh, yeah. that was a cheap piece of plastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then the, the jokes in them are just, are just terrible. I don't think ours had jokes. Oh, that's the worst thing because <laughs> everyone likes to groan about all the jokes. <laughs> like and you and like whoever gets the joke has to revel in reading it to make sure everybody feels the pain of this joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, Crackers, they're they're depressing and fun. <laughs> Um, so, the, but those kind of traditions, as fun as they are, are not the yeah, ones yeah. we're planning to talk about today. We kind of got off no. on a tangent again, but what else is new? Um, yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I, if you're expecting us not to get off on tangents at this point, I don't know what show you've been listening to. Same, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Um, so, one thing I thought was interesting, and I knew a little bit about this already, but I learned more details because this guy really did his research for this book. Like, his bibliography in the back where he talks about all the books he used it's like two pages long (laughs) yeah he did his research for a 176 page book so you know um one of the first things that i thought was interesting and it's what he started off with is why december 25th okay Uh, yeah i don't actually know this so yeah and there's a couple different variations i've heard like i'd heard it was yeah. because it was around the same time as saturnalia and sol invictus which were old roman and pagan traditions around the same time frame and that it sure. just kind of got incorporated and then you know local priests saw oh these holidays exist already i'll add some of those bits and pieces into christmas to make them celebrate it sure uh, yeah yeah um, that- Makes sense to some degree. Yeah, I and I'm sure there's still an element of that to a certain degree, but what yeah, he yeah, what uh, what his research showed was that actually the first person who ever talked about the birth of Christ, um, they don't know his name. Someone wrote a book <laughs> um, called the on some, the yeah I know someone some, anonymous because no one kept track of names back then. <laughs> wrote a book okay. uh, called On the Computation of Easter. We don't even know right. if it's a he or she or anything. It's just a person wrote this book. So stamp stories that it's probably male just because of the of times. Te- yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, hey, wouldn't it be cool if they if it was a female writer? That would be pretty neat. But this was written yeah. in um AD two forty five. Okay, so it's a really long time ago. And um, for the sake of gender neutrality, I'm just going to refer to them as the compu- the computist. Computist. That's how Forsyth referred to them, which I thought was a good way to do it. So the computist was 
someone who, in a very, very confusing and all over the place way, did a bunch of math, not all of which makes a whole lot of sense. <laughs> but they did, they did a bunch of math and determined that the birthday, so the day Christ was born, would have been March 25th. That was the day they picked. Um, and it had to do with a lot of different things, including that, like, back then people thought that your death, really famous people would die on the same day as their birthday because really famous, powerful people liked things to be very even. <laughs> All sorts of ancient... I mean, what... Yeah, okay, maybe, but who <laughs> plans their death? <laughs> well, see, that was the thinking, though, is that someone so powerful and famous and having their stuff together must have planned for that. They're such a great person. They must have planned to die on the same day as their birth so that they had a nice, clean ending. Uh, <laughs> and that was my reaction, too. I was like, that's that's weird, but okay. I take issue with that when Jesus Christ was in his 30s. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so anyway, the, the computist reasoned out through very strange, often illogical math that March yes. 25th must have been Christ's birthday. Right, because um, it was also their death day. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. Yeah. And they they actually worked out that it was probably sometime around the 28th or 25th, depending on the exact day. And it's right around the spring equinox, so it makes sense that the 25th popped out. Sure, makes sense. Um, but it's sometime around that time frame. And then um, fast forward a bit and we get to the year uh, 313. In yes, which... About 100 years later-ish? Uh, let me double check. it went 202 it to was, 313? No, it was 245 to 313. Oh, it was 245. So it's, it's around, what is that, like from. 70 years later? Something like that. Give yeah. or take 70 years later... And the Emperor Constantine announced that Christians would no longer be persecuted by pagans. Hey, which that's yay cool. for him. And yeah, yeah. Um, then in 325, he called the Council of Nicaea. I've heard of that. Yes. So the Council of Nicaea, for anyone who isn't up on their Bible history, uh, which, despite the fact that I'm not Christian, my dad loves the History Channel to like a crazy level so i am very versed yeah. in christian history yes <laughs> having grown up watching a lot of it and one of the things about the council of nicaea is that a whole lot of different christian sects got together so priests and bishops and anyone who had any sort of religious power got together and this group of men decided what would be considered canon and not canon for christianity so everything that we know about Christianity, like the things was that was decided 300 years later. Yep. Yep. Uh-huh. And you know what? That doesn't even surprise me. Now, to that be doesn't to, to be clear, I'm not trying to insult anyone who's Christian by saying, "Oh, you're reading something that's made up" or anything like that. I want to be clear, I'm not trying to say that. However, regardless of That is of, what happened. That is what happened. Yeah. Regardless of your faith and your spirituality, which is all you the fact remains that in 325 AD, an emperor got everybody that was Christian together and that group of people formed a council and decided what was and was not 
accurate to Christianity. So there was a lot of voting. Basically, the Bible was created via democracy of some kind. I mean, I, I don't even know what to say to that because I don't want to be <laughs> offensive. Which is why I clarified that we're not uh, yeah, trying to say that no. people are wrong. It's just this, like, factually, this happened. The Bible that everyone uses, like the King James version of the Bible and everything that most people use nowadays, I mean, the King James Bible, it, he basically took everything from the Council of Nicaea's decisions and then went through it again and took away other things that he didn't like. So the King James Bible is missing parts of the original story. It's missing some of the original Gospels and missing different things. And it's the same for anything that came after the Council of Nicaea. Different variations of the history of Christ changed. So one of the things that they decided was wrong was adoptionism. Because there were some previous versions of Christianity that felt that God didn't actually impregnate Mary magically spiritually, whatever term you want to use, but that he actually just adopted Mary's child as his son and basically used Jesus like a prophet as opposed to his son. But uh, I feel like, yeah, I feel like that's going against some of the very distinct wording in, in the book, in the mm -hmm. Holy Book. Well, in what currently exists of the Holy Book, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. people, they decided that adoptionism was wrong and... Because of that, they were looking at changing dates around. So they decided that via the math that had been decided before, that Jesus must have been conceived on March 25th. And if you fast forward right. nine months, you've got December, you December 25th. 20th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, makes sense. I mean, when I say it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's some logic to it. The, the, yeah, the, the, the dates make sense. I don't know if it all makes sense, but hey, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, so it's, it's whatever. Moving on from there, the only problem with December 25th is that there were the other existing holidays, Sol Invictus, Saturnalia, and also Kalends, which were all in December, or like middle of December to the end of December, right around the same time uh, as were they, this new were Christmas. They for were they for the, I assume, the, the winter solstice, I assume? Yeah, Saturnalia yeah. was, um, Saturnalia and Sol Invictus were the, basically the winter solstice. Saturnalia was sort of the pagan version, which was right. like this big, yep. crazy, insane party. There's more to gotcha. it, but that's a short version. Sol yeah, Invictus yeah. was basically them talking about, um, like, it was like a sun worship solstice sure. sort of. Uh, Makes sense. Sort of holiday. And the mm -hmm. Romans celebrated Sol Invictus, and the pagans tended to celebrate Saturnalia. And then Cal right. Ends was literally the end of the calendar, which was, again, a Roman holiday where they would give gifts to people. Yeah, uh, because, like, the Gregorian calendar was, cr mm -hmm. I think, created by the Romans, I think, um, if I'm getting that right. I believe the first variations of it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I believe I remember reading about that. So, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. So, basically, they put a new thing in an already fairly cramped month. Mm -hmm. And that also is probably where the myth of the 25th being chosen to sort of pull in other religions comes from. Because at that point, in order to make Christmas seem more exciting, they would have had to bring in some of the local traditions wherever they were located. The other yeah, thing, the other thing is too that I thought was interesting is 
back in the day of of early, early, early Christianity, people didn't mm-hmm. really celebrate birthdays so much. They celebrated death days. Right. Okay. Which was very, very different. Mm. And so what that meant, though, also is that, you know, the birth of Christ being a very religious, serious holiday in order to get people in and interested who'd previously been partying like crazies with Saturnalia or having big feasts with Sol Invictus, you know, things like feasts and drinking and celebrating had to start being included. So, and they had to make, make birthdays a celebration, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. That, I, I can see the logic there. You've got to push your brand. <laughs> yes. The, the other thing that I thought was interesting about that is that um, a lot of people, especially in medieval times, loved the Virgin Mary. This, this image of the Virgin Mary, the Mother of God, all of this kind of thing. They also liked the duality of, like, Eve brought down Adam, but then Mary gave birth to Christ situation. Sure. So, okay, yeah. yeah, I can get behind that. So that was another reason that uh, Christmas was such a big thing, because so many people resonated with the Virgin Mary, but her story right. with Christ basically ends after she gives birth to him. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, she's, I mean, she is in the Bible later, but very, very little. Exactly. Her, her main thing is she gave birth to Christ. So if you don't yeah. celebrate his birth, you can't celebrate her very easily. No, that's fair. Not, I, not that, with, like, a big that, festival. Yeah, no, I, I guess I can see that. And, I, like, I guess if people really do care about that aspect of it, I can understand why that would become a reason for celebration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, there's... Right. Obviously, there's more details to everything I'm talking about, but... Oh, yeah, we absolutely. Just, like, we have to go quick. <laughs> yeah. Another thing that uh, I thought was interesting is that that love of the Virgin Mary and all this, the duality, especially in medieval times, led directly into the creation of the Christmas tree, which I thought was really cool. So Christmas trees are very traditionally sort of a European and specifically like Germanic tradition. One of the reasons is because in medieval times in Europe and especially Germanic areas, um, there were these things called paradise plays where on the Feast of St. Nicholas, which is usually December 6th or right around there, people would celebrate um, the story of paradise, of Adam and Eve and the story of what happened. And like I said, they called them paradise plays. And there was one in particular... um, called Le Jeux de Adam. I can't speak French. That probably was butchered horribly, and I apologize. Probably. It's fine. <laughs> but um, it was the paradise play of Arras in northern France, and it has all of these different stage directions in it. And one of the yeah. things it talks about is that you have to have a tree to symbolize Eve's tree with apples on it and a snake artistically curled around it. So you've got right. a tree with little red balls yeah. and a garland of snake wrapped around it. Okay, so tinsel and bubbles. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I can do I can see that. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. basically the origin of the Christmas tree was that it was supposed to represent the tree uh, yeah, the apple tree of Adam and Eve. But if you think about it, you're in the middle of December in mostly northern europe what trees are still green and alive 
evergreen trees. You know, you're not going to find a lot of other trees that still have green foliage on them in the middle of winter in northern Europe. No, not really. It's a very cold place. (laughs) (laughs) So they ended up with Christmas trees decorated with red apples and snake-like things wrapped around them. Sure. Okay. And That's really interesting. I didn't know that. I didn't either. I th- I thought that was really, really fascinating. Like, the Christian thing with the whole 25th, I kind of knew some of that. But this yeah, was a yeah. whole new thing for me that I hadn't even known existed. So I thought that was really cool. And gotcha. Yeah, I gotcha. That makes sense. The most interesting part, in my opinion, this is just me, was that... Um, Paradise plays lasted. They were really popular all over France and Northwest Germany up until the Reformation. Right. Which was yeah. basically a big religious upheaval for anyone who doesn't know what that is. Yeah, yeah. That basically shook everything up a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, um, I'm afraid about that a little bit. Uh-huh. So the at that point, the plays pretty much stopped, except there was this one little island um, in the Danube in the middle of Hungary called Oberrufer. I think I'm saying that right. And at some point in history, a group of Germans went and settled there. Nobody exactly knows why. It's been, they've been there for so long, nobody knows why anymore. But they went there and they settled and basically claimed the island for themselves. And they were sort of cut off just enough that they were able to hold on to their traditions. So the Paradise Plays lasted there. They kept doing the Paradise Plays. Uh, yeah, they kept performing their Paradise Plays. And then in the 19th century, a scholar named Carl Schroer um, went and he was a linguist and a scholar. And he went and he saw these Paradise Plays and wrote about it, of course. And so then it started traveling slowly outside and... And um, so that's probably where some people get, like, nativity plays and stuff, too. That same idea. Right. But then the Christmas trees, even though, like, the plays surrounding them had disappeared, the trees themselves stuck around. Probably because some people were like, forget you, Reformation. I still want to have my play, but I can't actually do the play. So we'll do this instead and sneak it in. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll show you by putting this very small reference into this thing that you're mm-hmm. not going to know about. Exactly. Yeah. We, we sneaky. Um, yeah. <laughs> we sneaky. <laughs> okay. Um, right. Yeah, but there were also some places that actually banned Christmas tree cutting because usually the tree wasn't on your property. So you were technically stealing someone's tree, which makes sense. I at least get that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, I mean, it's part of the Bible. Thou, thou shalt not steal, you know. Yeah. Well, and then the reason that Christmas trees are everywhere now is mm-hmm. because of the British. Specifically, Queen Victoria. Oh, okay. Didn't know about this. Well, Queen Victoria's mother was German. Right. So was her husband. Mm-hmm. So guess who so... grew up having Christmas trees? And guess who then was photographed with her entire family celebrating in front of a Christmas tree? Ah. And guess whose whose country was obsessed with copying their queen? That'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Although, to be fair, like, well, well, to be fair, Queen Victoria was universally loved. Yes. But, like, there are some monarchs who made people uh, celebrate like they did. 
Like, I, I can just imagine that people saw that Queen Victoria did it. It's like, yeah, no, I'm doing it too. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like the wedding dress thing. Like, the reason yeah. wedding dresses are white is because Queen Victoria did it first, and then everyone who had any money wanted to copy her. Yeah, uh, but the reason they were white is because it was, ex- it was expensive and only to be used once, which is mm-hmm. why people of 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 uh, more Megan means didn't wear white. Right. Or didn't really wear dresses when right. they got married. Right. Back mm-hmm. in the day, they would just wear their nicest clothes, whatever those happened mm-hmm. to be, which was usually their yep. church clothes. Yep. And then they would reuse those clothes again later. It was mm-hmm. a big show of status. And then after that, all brides wanted to wear white if they could. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I get that. Uh, no, it's not something I particularly care too much about, but it's it's what it is. All right. So I think with all those sort of tangents, we should probably head for our break. Mm-hmm. And then we'll come back and do some more talking. Okay. And then we'll call it a thing. All right. Uh, see you in a minute, guys. Okay, everyone, welcome to the mid-roll. Yay, we're doing the thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so like always, I want to start off by talking about our amazing sponsor, World Anvil. They're the most robust online campaign management and uh, world-building software just this out there, period. They even won an any award for it. They're such a good site. WorldAnvil.com, you can build your world, build your characters. There's map features. To get started is free. They have a a basic free package you can start with and you can always pay to add other features on later, but it's an amazing product and I definitely recommend you check it out. That's worldanvil.com. Yep, also supporting the Nerdspin Network and us are Die Hard Dice. Die Hard Dice create beautiful metal dice and polymer dice and they also have uh, their own uh, color testing in-house for all of them. They're all beautiful. Mm-hmm. Heather Heather is doing great things with uh, the ASMR clicky clackies. There we go. Don't yeah. they just sound it great? Sounds so nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have so many different designs and they keep adding to them. They're doing more of their own polymer dice. They've still got the squirrels of rolling, which I will keep talking about until we stop talking about them, which is going to be never. Uh, <laughs> they made a double so. scroll now. Oh, they, they made a... Oh, no. Or they're making oh, one. No. I can't remember. Oh, okay. They they're making yet. a double scroll. But even so, that's amazing. Because mm-hmm. that means I just get to get more ways to travel with more dice. So yep. that's super cool. Uh, they they test everything in-house. They made their own molds. They do so much thing with new finishes and new designs and new inking of the dice. Like with their brimstone ones, they uh, had multiple versions. They're so, so cool. Uh, if you go to uh, if you go to their site and check out anything that you like, you can use the code gig thyself uh, at checkout to get fifteen percent. Uh, that's one five fifteen percent off your first or next order from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all you need to do that is go to dieharddice.com, and then you can be part of Castle Diehard. Yeah, it's a great castle to be a part of. <laughs> oh yeah, yes. totally. All right, and with that, let's get back into this week's topic. Yep. All right, so getting back into this week's topic, um, we yeah. realize that this has run a little long already. So I mean, it's it's that's that's standard for us, though. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> depending on the topic. So um, at this point, we're going to hit just the, two more things. There's other things we could talk about. We're going to talk about two more Christmas traditions. Uh, the first one is Advent calendars. Um, now, I never personally had an advent calendar. Did you? 
Oh yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're a big thing here. Absolutely, they're a big thing here. I didn't know if they were going to be a thing in America, but yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I've had an advent calendar pretty much every year since I've been alive. Yeah, they're, uh, they're definitely a thing over here, but I feel like it's kind of 50-50 almost. Like, some people get them and some people don't. Mm, okay. Uh, I know that I've never, like, personally bought myself an advent calendar. I don't really feel the need to. But uh, I know that most years I've had one. I think the only time I haven't had one is, like, when I was at uni mm-hmm. uh, and wasn't, like, at the house, so I didn't get one. But... In pretty much every other situation, I've had an advent calendar. Um, so, okay. yeah, uh, advent calendars are fun. Twenty-five day things. If you don't have them, basically they've got little doors which mm-hmm. are like have a numbers on for each day, from the first of December up to at least the twenty-fourth. Sometimes they go further, very rarely. Uh, uh, some have the twenty-fifth on as well, and basically they have little chocolate inside. <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Or I mean, I've seen ones with toys and stuff too. Sometimes, but yeah, there's all different the, variations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there are now toy ones sort of coming out and being more fashionable, mm-hmm. like like this Lego ones and Funko Pop ones and that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and I've seen some that are like family heirloom type ones. Like someone's grandfather or grandmother at some point bought one where it's like each door of the advent calendar is like an ornament inside it. So, yeah, so like, uh, you, you hang a different ornament on the tree every night. Yeah, so uh, that's a more older thing now. Now they're more just like commercialized and mm-hmm. are for kids with chocolate and stuff. But you can still get things like that, and they're, they're just not as common. Yeah, like, that's all. So what I thought was interesting, um, mm. and I keep saying that, but it's true. I, I just like yeah. history, so I find it interesting. Yeah, you, Sorry for yeah, anyone you like who doesn't. Every, <laughs> no, I mean I think if they listen to us talk about it they've got to like it at least a little bit one would hope (laughs) so the the more popular sort of commercialized mass-produced advent calendars that we know of today like the chocolate ones that you're talking about were actually uh mass-produced for the first time in 1908 oh really Mm -hmm. didn't know that first produced in 1908 by a man named gerhard lang Gerhard Lang. Yes. I don't know the name, unfortunately. Well, I don't know if I should know the name. No, but probably I don't. not. It's so old. How I mean, this is from 1908. So, yeah. Um, so his mother used to make advent calendars for her son, and it was very common um, in the 1850s and on for German mothers to do homemade advent calendars that would contain different okay. things. Okay, that's um, interesting. And even before that, people used to count down to Advent by marking off, uh, like, with chalk and things on some sort of calendar yeah. or on candles. And Yeah, I was actually just about to say that, is that there you can get candles that mm-hmm. basically they burn for uh, 24 uh, hours, but that each one is, a, like, a block of, mm-hmm. like, of, like, and then it's, yeah, like, of the days until it gets down to the bottom. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember we had one of those, but I don't think we ever lit it. I think it was just like an ornament. Yeah. Because we were young kids and it wasn't great to have fire. (laughs) No, generally it's not with small children. No, Um, so. But one of the things I thought that's interesting is basically we can blame him for the fact that the advent calendars always start on December 1st. Because traditionally, advent is supposed to begin the Sunday nearest to November 30th, which is called St. Andrew's Day. 
And the thing is, that's going to change every year. So when he was deciding to mass produce these and make them like his mother used to, where she'd give him a little treat every day instead of just like a toy or whatever, um, he decided to start it on the first because otherwise he was going to have to keep changing it constantly. Yeah, that's a lot of work. Yes. Okay, yeah, he so would have that's... had to redesign it every year, and this way he didn't have to. And so, mm-hmm. starting from the 1920s, he stuck to December 1st so that he didn't have to keep remaking them, and then that's yeah. how we know them nowadays. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, so that one was a shorter one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's still cool. Uh, and now they're just all over the world, and uh, now we everyone can enjoy chocolate mm-hmm. throughout December. okay and then let's see so the next one is one that i think it it's a less religious um related subject of like christmas traditions and that's rudolph okay yeah familiar with rudolph he has a red nose Mm -hmm. yeah all those things are accurate so um there were a couple of interesting things in this one when I was looking at it and reading about it. One is that we can actually blame a department store for the creation of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Okay, didn't know about this. At least the original one. Not not the song version, but like the original, original concept. So the original concept happened because Montgomery Ward, the department store in Chicago, had a Christmas promotion and it wanted to, it would give its customers coloring books every year. And in 1939, they decided to make their own coloring book instead of buying one from someone else. Um, So they sent one of their copywriters to create a story. His name was Robert L. May. And he was told to produce a story that involved Christmas and an animal. Interesting fact, he was Jewish. (laughs) Um, Fair enough. I mean, work's work. (laughs) But, I mean, to be fair, it was vaguely involving Christmas, so that probably helped. Right. Yeah, I guess so. Um, So he he got to work and he wrote out this story. And the original story of Rudolph is that he isn't the song version. It's that he lives in a a village, a reindeer village, just an ordinary reindeer village somewhere. Right. But he's unpopular because of his nose. So that part sticks. Sure. Yeah. And then... At Christmas, it's really foggy. Santa's having trouble. He gets to the reindeer village and he's delivering toys and gifts to everybody. And he sees this one reindeer kid with his nose lit up. Right. So he asks that child to help him. And then after Christmas, Rudolph returns to his reindeer village and everyone is so shocked to see him traveling with like Santa and these big wig reindeer who pull his sleigh. It's such a big deal. Mm -hmm. So it was a huge hit. Uh, and it became a bestseller all on its own, separate, like, the story, because he wrote, like, a verse for it, like a poem. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Became mm-hmm. hugely popular. And then his uh, brother-in-law wrote the song based off of the story. Oh, okay. So it's nice that it's, like, a family endeavor, I guess. That's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought that was really cool, but it gets better, because... Any, uh, does it? In my opinion, it gets better. Yeah, Because yeah, anyone yeah. who doesn't already know, Nerdsmith is a very strong supporter of LGBTQ plus rights. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's interesting is that 
this uh, this writer Mark Forsythe definitely did his research. So he said in all the illustrations from the coloring book, Rudolph has horns. Right. But male reindeer shed their horns during winter. So therefore Rudolph from its very his very earliest inception is female. It would have to have been born female, which means Rudolph mm-hmm. is transgender. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that's cute. I like that. The the original, original, original version of Rudolph, just looking at the facts of how everything is depicted, would have to be transgender. So I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's fun. I think that's <laughs> cute. Uh okay. Uh so, like you said, there's a lot of other things that we could cover, mm-hmm. but we're already... Over. <laughs> over time. We're never on time, so let's not mm-hmm. even pretend. Uh, so we're already over time, but we have more things to talk about in another episode. Uh, there'll always be a Christmas, unless mm-hmm. the apocalypse happens. We've yeah. already talked about that one, though. So, you know. <laughs> um, but apart from that, I think that's a fairly good place to, to wrap up the, wrap mm-hmm. this one up. I agree. Like a present. Like a nice present for the audience. Exactly. (laughs) And we'll be back Uh, with more holiday topics next week. Yeah. Uh, Yes, we will. Okay. And until then, we will talk to you all soon. Uh, Okay. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Geek Thyself. Don't forget to check out all the other amazing content on the Nerdsmith Network. If you have any questions for either of us, you can get in contact with us on Twitter at geek underscore thyself. You can also email us at geek thyself at nerdsmith.org and please don't forget to go to itunes and leave us a review or also go anywhere you listen to your podcasts we'll be back next week with another informative and fun episode and until then don't forget to geek thyself <laughs>